We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into your Sunday Things I Think I Know or Things We Think We Know edition, crossover style, All Eyes on Cleveland and the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm Brad Ward. That's Jake Burns, like we always do about this time. How are you doing, Jake? Good, man. Sunday, ready to uh, wrap up. Well, we're doing this late Saturday night, Uh, always ready to end a Saturday night with a good Browns discussion. You know how that is, man. Pour a little drink. Uh, yeah. Sit back, enjoy your Saturday night, and talk about the Cleveland Browns, especially what, you know, April 1st. Didn't see any great April Fool's Day jokes today, Brad, but, but uh, somebody April 1st wrapping up pretty good. Somebody tweeted out a fake Miles Garrett suspension tweet for like banned that. substances. Not cool. not cool at all. Yeah. Not a fan. Not cool. But target, target something like... You know, target something different than, than fun thing we're, all, we're fun. all nervous about anyway. Miles yes. Garrett gets tested too much as it is. Correct. Anyway, uh, yeah. Either way, something. one of my least favorite days of the calendar year. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Not a big fan of being pranked. Let's dive into uh, as I mentioned. Uh, this is uh, all eyes on Cleveland. I'm Brad Ward. The OBR film breakdown. Uh, Jake Burns with me. We do this. Uh, Every week, it's uh, under the umbrella of the OBR. Go check out everything that we're doing at the OBR. Everybody's uh, got their nose to the grindstone, putting out tremendous work over there. So make sure you are checking in on that and our shows that we do four times a week on the stream. So uh, Twitch or YouTube. So make sure you do that. Uh, let's uh, some so the owners' meetings in Arizona. Uh, earlier this week, uh, Jake, and we've got some rule changes. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, and take you through some of these. Some of these are inconsequential, kind of goofy stuff. Some of them are a little more consequential. And the thing, my biggest complaint, and kind of what I'm writing about this week, not to you know give it all away, but the I think the best rules or the the most uh, influential rules that they could have passed, they tabled. So. 
Great. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first rule, yeah, sounds about right. Huh? First rule change is that players can now wear the number zero. Uh, so uh, it can't be a lineman. It can not. It can be any other player besides a lineman. Uh, the single zero number, jersey number, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah. So uh, doesn't really change our lives. Uh, any thoughts on this? Kickers and punters, though, also in this rule. Just throw this in there. Now have a much wider variety they can choose from. They can wear any number between zero and forty nine and ninety and ninety nine. So kickers can now wear like ninety nine. Yeah, they're probably trying to open up some of those. Um, you know, kickers are. It almost feels like most time these single digits or these prime time teen numbers players want are taken yes. by a kicker. So they're probably trying to give kickers and punters that chance to take a number that they won't get stolen at some point in their career is my guess. I know, I know a lot of people were against the uh, initial change where a bunch of different positions could wear a bunch of different numbers. And it went away from the rigidity that was the NFL and with that stuff. And like, I get it. Um, I I actually thought I was going to love it. I was all about it. Then I didn't love it because there were a bunch of players and positions wearing numbers. I didn't recognize, but now I've grown to really like it again um, that I thought the way I would thought I would originally like it. So um, you just get used to things. I, who's your leading candidate for number zero for the Browns? That's actually a fun one to think about. Yeah, I was. I, I kind of was throwing that out there. I was thinking maybe like Elijah Moore might wear it, but like I think he already has a number. Maybe um, who's number eleven? Or no, he was he's that, number eight, right? Eight is what he wore in New York, and I don't think the Browns had a number eight last year. Unless I'm losing r- my mind. Right? No, they don't. Alan Mond was. He never uh, dressed. Yeah. So zero would be uh, ideally, I think, uh, would be a good running back, wide receiver, or secondary number is kind of where I'm at with that, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know. It'd be a good safety number. Would maybe. Be a good safety number. Um, yeah. you it know, feels I, like it'd be a really good 3 4 edge number, like a guy. Yeah ripping off the edge type yeah. uh, a stand up edge type i don't know i don't know who yeah. that i mean i don't know i, I guess uh okronko was already number 7 maybe they draft a guy that's my only guess I, I don't have an easy answer for who would be zero on the current roster it feels like most teams want to occupy that 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 uh very popular number 0 there so i don't know yeah. we'll see we'll keep you guys updated when we know the- more about the number 0 yeah, that'll be interesting. Um, so skip over some of this stuff, but here here's one of consequence, one rule change. I think this is a good one. Uh, on fourth downs, now any fourth down attempt um, that, you know, where there is some question whether the first down was gained or not uh, will no mm-hmm. longer need to be challenged, Jake. So it's going to, just like a turnover or a scoring play, on fourth downs, it'll immediately come from the booth if it's close. So a coach doesn't have to waste his challenge on a close fourth down call. I hope that this – I'm all about it. I, I I don't think we notice every turnover and scoring play. We don't really notice the um, um, challenge. As long as they keep it that way and the game moves seamlessly, yes. I think we could all agree that any more stoppages in play in the NFL are, are just – it's brutal. So – as long as they keep it, like I said, that way, no problem with that. You should get all those important swing plays right, in my opinion. So, um, yeah, I'm in on that. I think that's a good rule. I think that uh, you know all those things that can avoid the 
a guessing game that is challenges would be a, would be a right fine thing for me. So, okay by me. Hopefully it's still seamless though. The last thing we want is them to be holding up the game, waiting on, you know, those challenges where nobody actually challenged it. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, I agree. Uh, as long as, it, yeah, we they do a good job of us not noticing it for the most part. Um, so, unless it's really blatantly close. So, uh, I think they'll continue to keep that moving a couple other things here so they've added um launching uh they changed the definition of launching now i guess you know i was at first when i first read this i was confused by some of these but you have to kind of dig into the language of these a little bit to make some more sense out of them like i was like it just reads you know if a defensive player leaves both you know his feet to make a tackle it's a launching penalty and i'm thinking what about if a guy's running down the sidelines and you have to dive to make an ankle tackle? Is that launching? No, it, what they're referring to is basically like a defenseless player, and if you yeah. leave both feet and dive into him. It, yeah. It's not helmet to helmet. I mean, you could hit him in the arm with your helmet, but if you're leaving your feet, you're going to get flagged 15 yards for it. Yeah, almost like torpedoing yourself, right? Yes, and, uh, yes. At an angle or whatever. Yeah, I think it's. I think that's very much a know-it-when-you-see-it thing. You yep. know, like... Yep. Hard to define by the written word, but um, you, you see it. You're like, oh yeah, it's probably a better video evidence thing. But that anything that's anything that's player safety, you know, I know that people complain a lot. It's not the football you watch growing up, but you know what I'd rather have is football around in perpetuity than than complain about uh, rules that are designed to keep people's heads uh, screwed on longer, right? Like, totally if you're agree. complaining about that, then, then that's just, that's a, that's a massive you problem, like in the, in the worst kind of way, in my opinion. So, uh, anything to keep guys safer. I mean, I'm, I, I loved it. I grew up loving jacked up segments and big hits and it's fun to look back at that. You know what? It's not fun to look back at though, uh, is where those guys are currently with these issues they have. And it's like, we don't. The, the the thing is, we just don't see it. You know, it's not in the it's not in the limelight the way um, yep. they were when they were playing, right? And and some of that stuff gets lost in the shuffle. And I hope they uh, hope they continue to continue like ways, whatever ways they can find to make the game safer. Man, I'm all about it. Yeah, well said. Uh, and right along those lines, tripping now will be a 15 yard penalty. Tripping. So another you know one there. that should not. I think. I think I heard that like Joe Burrow said it last year is like defensive holding is only five yards. I, like I find that one interesting. Offensive holding is 10 yards. And I know that defensive holding, you get an automatic first automatic down. Automatic first but like, down, yeah. I, I just find it interesting that the, like the yardage difference there is kind of strange to me, but, you know, that maybe is nitpicking uh, a little bit. But some of the rules are upside down in the NFL at times, little bits and pieces of it. But, yeah, that tripping stuff can get out of hand. I'm, I'm glad. Like I think it was – was it Mac Jones tried to trip somebody last year or yep, on an interception did. or something, you know, yep. so you, you want to eliminate that crap as best you can. So I was on the stream on Thursday night, we are stream doing all eyes on Cleveland. And, uh, I was reading through a couple of these and the one that, that jumped out to me was this forward handoff one. And I was flabbergasted by the rule. I was like, so wait, you can't, you know, because the way it reads initially is like you can't hand off the ball forward anymore. So I'm going, what about like zone read, right? Like how is that going to change the way, you know what I mean? Because you're typically the quarterback is angled in a way that the yeah. ball is forward. Uh, 
I did, though, however, and realized that I was a bit of a dumbass uh, in in initially <laughs> interpreting the rules without digging into it further. It's uh, handing off the forward past the line of scrimmage. So ah, yeah. that makes much more sense now. Aha. So you get to the bottom of that uh-huh. one. Yeah, I don't think well, I've ever know, even the seen the fine that. print. Yes. Fine print. Yeah, I don't think I have either. Maybe they saw it on a hail mary scenario or something where they somebody's trying to hand the ball off real quick to someone they think it's behind them, but it's kind of in front of them. But hard to call that. Yes. Uh, that's my only guess on that yeah. on that one. But yeah, I mean, if you took away handing off behind the line of scrimmage, it's a completely different sport at that point. So well, right, exactly. That, right? That's what it's kind of like. <laughs> what you're handing off? You can't hand it off forward anymore. So what? The guys got to turn around. I mean, like, what about like jet sweeps and all that stuff, right? So. Um, change the game yes it would uh so i was incorrect on that so i apologize for a, a bit of an overreaction and uh perplexed uh reaction i gave on thursday night so uh on that one but got some clarity there so uh and then finally the one that is kind of crazy here and i'm writing about right now is so they are going to change it to one cut down date for sure, for good now uh, in uh, preseason. So teams will go from 90 to 53. That's it, all at the same time. So I did the math on that. That's uh, 1,408 players, Jake, becoming available all at one time. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, Yeah. I, I, I mean, it seems like most teams were in favor of it, and I know the Browns were. I would imagine they like getting extended looks at their own players, Sure. More so than the the benefit, I guess the benefit would be of processing, you know, some of the other teams cut players sooner or something. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, it seems probably it seems on the surface crazier to the to the people like like us here, because, I mean, the Browns are very calculated on this stuff. So I I kind of believe that they would have a pretty good plan in place for this um, and voting for, you know, voting in favor of it. So. Yeah, I um, I I think it's going to be hectic as hell. It's going to be hard on writers and people who are writing all this stuff up to to do it. But uh, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, if there's any strategic advantage to this. Maybe like just teams don't have enough guys scouted or or something. I, I'm not sure what the you know. It seems like this always happens, right? The, the COVID year created some things that we didn't see coming. Some advantages for teams that. We didn't see so on and so forth. Every time there's a big move, and this is a big move. This is altering the landscape of roster structure for the year, right? So, like, yeah, uh, I, I just will be interested to see which teams come out of it, you know, having a, a, a clear plan with waivers and, and sort of executing it, right? So, um, and you know, I wonder like, we'll, too. We'll I wonder too, Jake, about maybe a potential downside to some players who. You know, if you're a veteran or you have multiple relationships around the league and a team that finds out they don't want you or need you, uh, you get cut earlier or in one of those earlier cuts, you can catch on with the team quicker and maybe have a chance to play in week one sooner with the multiple cut downs. Whereas now, you know, it's happening all at once. I mean, they've got to. Here's my question, and I haven't d- dug into this yet. They've got to be able to cut like a single player if they want, right? Like you would think. 
Yeah, I would think that this is just keeping your roster below 53. So if they're at 90 and they want to cut a couple guys, I'm sure they they could. Sure. I think it's just to me, they had like your roster has to be down to 75 by this date or 65 by this date. So now it's just you can keep it as, as loaded up as you want to keep it, right? Um, you know, if that means you want to keep the whatever, the 90, the 80, whatever oh, so. that number is, then you can keep it, right? Until So you don't have to. You don't have so you, to have a, a, a roster date. You like what I would imagine is we'll still see some cuts. Yeah, early. so you could cut down uh, as you see fit. There's just no mandatory yeah. date. That makes a lot more sense. I'm thinking like, oh, they got to carry yeah. 90 guys until X amount of day. Yeah, I don't think there's like a roster ma- like you have to have 90 on your roster. Got or something it. Like that. that it's makes more a lot just more saying. Sense. Yeah. Instead of being you have to be down to 65 after the second week, you can keep as many. You can keep 73 if you're not ready to quite let go of that one player. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. that's my take on it, at least. But yeah. I, I'll be interested to see how many, like which teams when we look at this and we're like preseason week two is over. It's Wednesday. How many players are on each team? That would be yeah. kind of interesting to see, like, are the Browns a team that hold on to a lot of guys until the very last minute or whatever, whatever, you know? I feel like they would be. Didn't I feel like they did this once before or experimented with it once and it wasn't a rule or something where they could keep guys, maybe 75 they could keep till the end or something. I feel like they've eased into this or something because the one year they had more guys till the end, I thought. Um, maybe I'm misremembering. But either way, uh, I feel like the teams will want to keep young guys around until the end mm-hmm. and get a look at them. Yeah. But my guess would be what you're thinking of is, so, is something around COVID, whether that was the COVID year or the, the year after COVID, because yes. so many guys came back. Yes. Um, if somebody, we're not going to have time to look this up on the fly, but if somebody wants to reply to the podcast or it's DM or whatever, what hit is. us up on Twitter and let us know what it was. Cause there was something I, I do recall. There was some, there, there were so many roster tweaking rules that came out in that time to help teams get by. Um, so yeah, there's, there's, you're definitely onto something there, but I don't remember quite the intricacies of what it was. Yeah. There was one year though. You're right. It probably was COVID related. All right. You're listening to, uh, a joint collaboration of all eyes on Cleveland and the OBR film breakdown. Here are the three rules that did not, that got tabled. Okay, Jake. And that I think were the, probably the three biggest and most important rules. So the first one, uh, is that, and this was pushed heavily by the Rams, right? Uh, mm-hmm. They wanted the roughing the passer penalty to be a reviewable call. Uh, and this was, you know, obviously didn't go through and was tabled to a later date. Much like pass interference, I have no interest in that. I think you start yeah. frame by framing this sport in any sport, really, man, like these sports were not meant to frame by frame judge. Like, Yep. They made these sports for like <laughs> it's like very few people and like for 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 entertainment and it's like now we're frame by framing what is like was the quarterback in the had he launched the throwing motion to be in that state of a yeah. protected player and it's just like man I you know it when you see it. there's going to be screwed up calls on pass interference there's going to be screwed up calls on you know, roughing the passer. I mean, go back to the year that we had the, the the interference rule reviewable, right? And not many even got overturned. Like, I get that the the reason you would have that rule in place is for like the debacle that would be the Saints Rams playoff game. I get it because then you could overturn something that was so blatantly obvious. 
Mm-hmm. But is it beneficial? You know, that that happening, that circumstance happening was so rare. And like, is it beneficial as they went through the whole season to have like like 120 pass interference review calls happen where maybe one gets and is it worth the slowdown in in game and time and all of that i just don't think it is like i just don't think it is so and and now you want to do it for roughing the passer it's like did he put the weight on him did he fully did he roll off to the side how do we really know like exactly it's that that's just gray areas i really don't want to get into i just you could you could be a person who wants that and right on but Clearly, I think the NFL is of the belief that this that's just, you're just taking things too far, like just a means of, of reviewing everything. And that, that, that to me is silly. It's not worth it. Yeah. So that's um, it's basically because and, and I will admit it has affected a, a good number of outcomes of games. And it's a, it's a crappy way to lose a game. It's happened to the Browns. We write the rule. It's not. It's not a review. It's rewriting it. Like if you don't yes. like pass. Like if you don't like roughing the passer, you don't like how the rules written up. You don't like how they're trying to protect these guys currently, right? It's not because it's not the way you watched Troy Aikman and, and Steve Young and all of those guys play the position. It was different. They 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 saw like their quarterbacks getting beat up, and they decided at what point is this player vulnerable? He's most vulnerable when he can't protect himself as a thrower. When he's in the launch point of the throw, and like. So, you know, I'm I'm with you. I, I just uh, I don't love the way it's always called, but I don't think reviewing the call is the answer. I think people you just you want the rule rewritten instead I don't of even, this rule helping it. You yeah, know? I don't even want it rewritten. I'm just saying I think that's where the complaint is coming from is just that too many times and, and it's to nobody's fault, um, really. It's just that too many times like – it's fourth and 20 something and a guy just throws up a ball and, and the guy tackles a guy and comes off him as best as he can weight wise. And he still gets flagged and teams are upset about it. But I mean, it's just something that you're going to have to live with as we try to protect players. I just think that's just something that we're going to have to live with. Um, it is. Okay. So that I agree. I don't want those reviewed. Uh, that would just be even more of a mess, uh, because it's all, you know, up for interpretation, I believe. This one I find interesting. Now you, I'm interested to hear what you have to say about this. If you find this too gimmicky or not, right? So the onside kicks uh, rules uh, were recovered an all-time low in the NFL this year at 4%, Jake. Um, The league would report— Still impacted our Browns. It did, unfortunately. That's for damn sure. The NFL would reportedly like to see a recovery rate of 13 to 14%, So, which is a lot higher than what we saw, right? 10% increase there. And— uh, but the rule on the table is the rule for, I believe it's the XFL or something close to that, where instead of onside kicks, uh, the ball would be placed at the 20. You get a one-fourth and 20 chance to score. Um, and if you score on that one play, you get the ball back. Are you for this or against it? I think it'd be fun to try. I mean, I think it'd be fun I, as far as like... Tradi- to like traditionalist stuff would probably not like it, but no, get um, off my lawn. You know, I, there are parts of recent 
uh, developments in all sports that it's like going against the traditional stuff here where, you know, it's, uh, um, you know, baseball's doing the pitch clock and basketball's doing like the play in tournament at the end for them. And, and those things to me have been fun. Like the play in yeah. tournament. I didn't think I'd like it, but that's fun, man. Like teams chasing great. those seeds play. It's, it's better. It's better for basketball, right? The pitch clock is completely altering the game of baseball here. Like, and I think in a good way, cause it's a better yeah. viewing experience all around Absolutely. at the game and at home. And it's like, why why wouldn't that i mean dude for like what do you love about football you love pressure pack situations right exactly pressure pack situations that your team can control our defense or offense can control right and bouncing of the football which is so luck driven this this weird object being kicked from a sideways angle and it's like <laughs> hey man we got amari cooper trying to recover this thing and he couldn't recover it and that mm -hmm. jets game it's like because it took a stupid bounce and like Mm -hmm. I would just like to be a little more in control of that when and a fourth and 20 is still, you know, we we've seen the Browns operate on third and 10 plus. So it ain't, it ain't, it ain't a guarantee. Let me tell you that. No. But uh, it just would be, I think it could be a fun wrinkle. I, I think some people would view it as gimmicky and that's all fine and dandy. But if, uh, and I don't mind keeping things the way they are obviously, but if they were like, we're going to do this to spice up the game, I'd be like, all right, well, fourth and twenties are fun. Like do or die moments are fun to me. Yeah. I just think they are. Would certainly make the end of games uh, a lot more interesting, I think. Um, and teams, I think, would view themselves in the game longer if that was a rule. I think so. And it, to me, it would create another roster spot for a wide receivers who are jump ball specialists. You yeah. know, like mm -hmm. a six six wide receiver with a crazy vertical who maybe is a terrible separator, maybe normally wouldn't be on the rod, but this guy can go. He's got a forty inch vertical. He can go up and get it, and we can give him a chance to go catch a seam shot to to get this fourth and twenty to get us a football back. Like that, yeah. that would create a roster spot or, or bigger tight ends or whatever, man. Because you're not running it, duh. Like yeah. it's obviously going to yeah. be a throw. So get bigger bodies. Like create that. That would be an interesting thing, wouldn't it? Be an interesting Nick, roster ring. Nick Chubb draw. That Browns Browns fans would be gone. Got hey biggest no, play of the game. Give it to Nick Chubb. They would love it. Yeah, got to give I'm it just to kidding. him. Just but kidding, guys. Just kidding. All right, don't nobody get offended. All right, all right. Let's. Uh, last one. You you said it well there. Uh, it's a good transition to additional roster spots. The last rule change that was tabled that I thought for sure this was going to get passed. Uh, basically, it goes back to like you know a lot of these are just come up to fix a problem that happened and in the last year. And this one is mainly that the NFC championship game, which was a complete dud because both quarterbacks got hurt and Purdy couldn't throw the ball. And, uh, it was a, a waste of a, a, a championship game basically. So I think it was in 2011, they went away with the rule initially, but they want to, um, this rule was to expand game day rosters to from 45 to 46 uh, and let NFL teams carry a third quarterback on game day. Uh, I, this, to me, seemed like a no-brainer to do it. I don't know why you wouldn't do it. Uh, did you see a reason why people voted no. against that? Because I have no idea. It no. makes no sense to me. Why would you want to put guys transitioning over to play quarterback into those spots? Why would you want to put Brock Forsey the – 49ers even to put Brock Purdy back on the field just to hand it off what if Brock Purdy his shoulder was so bad he fumbled one that he went to hand off and he dives after it and hurts it worse like that yep. makes absolutely no sense to me it's so simple to allow a team to bring up a practice squad quarterback for game days 
and improve your product. So I do not know. I don't want to speak too ill about it because I don't know what the reasoning is, like why for sure people said no to that. But on the surface, makes zero sense. It would help your product to me. That's just what I think. But again, I am a known idiot. So I will uh, hold off on, um, you know, kind of like being uh, crazy critical until I were to hear an answer from some of the owners on that. Maybe we won't get it uh, as they don't, they're not obligated to answer why they voted yes or no on that. But it's just so strange to me to not approve that. You know, it's like, okay, so you want a worse yeah. product. Okay. That's cool. It's, you like your championship games to have this issue. Right. Right on. All right. We'll yeah. Yeah. So my understanding, I guess, as I read this a little bit further is they, in, in 2011, they changed the rules so that, you know, you can carry a third quarterback, but it counts as a roster spot. So teams don't, right? Because they they value mm-hmm. the other position better, whatever. Uh, but this would have been where there's a roster. What they should do is they should just have a third quarterback rule place, you know, doesn't count against your mm-hmm. 45 game day, game day roster. You can dress and be yeah. on the side, get the paycheck. I'm whatever. fine with that guy being on the 53, but I don't think he should impact your number of guys on the field. Like that's Correct. the thing that some people that are kind of Correct. just like not all in focusing on the games. Like you don't understand that there's a game day roster that is a limited number of your 53. And yes. to me, not allowing those guys um, to making them eat up one of your tight, limited game day roster numbers as is, is just, that's just to me, it's silly. So yeah, I, w- I think that you can make a concession there. They have to be on the 53. Fine. Cool. I mean, me personally, I wouldn't even have that, but me I can neither. stomach the yeah. 53, but, but keeping them on the, you know, the game day stuff is pretty strange to me. Yeah. I could care less. It can be a practice squad guy. I don't care. Just, you know, if you have a third quarterback, just, just designate him that everybody should have like a designated third QB and, and that's it. And yeah. That way, uh, yeah, it just seems like a, a. I don't, I don't get no the brainer. downside. I don't get the downside. Yeah. But either way, uh, somebody saw a downside because they did not pass it. That is tabled for next year. We have some more things we think we know uh, on this glorious uh, edition of uh, a crossover between the OBR film breakdown and All Eyes on Cleveland. Jake Burns and Brad Ward, uh, the OBR. Blue Wire podcast. Quick break. We'll be right back. Things we think we know about the draft. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And we are back to talk about some things we think we know about the NFL draft as we get closer and closer, Jake. Um, you want me to start here? You want me? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to do yeah, this. I'm going to go first here. We're just going to do one. We have one take on the draft. Like we don't. It's it's post free agency here, so yeah, it's a little bit of a uh, of a boring time here until we get to the draft. So we're going to do a lot of draft talk, uh, as you would presume i mean even though they don't pick until pick 74 you still want to do a lot of discussion around this so we will continue to do a ton of that over the next what uh, april for 26 days we're inside of a month now so uh you know i have uh i fully ensconced myself into my draft preparation which is just you know whatever i'm trying to focus on day two guys right and uh uh mainly Right, and uh, I wrote an article, and there were five guys that I really like uh, in day two. And they don't, they're not great RAS score guys, not all of them, Jake. And a lot of them are outside the age guard rail. And the reason I wrote the article was just to kind of point to, like, hey, I love this guy's intangibles. I love what he could bring. He could help right away, and he's nowhere He's not on the guardrail for Raz, or he's not on the guardrail for age. This is a guy that I think the Browns should be looking at anyways. Um, I feel like that with the COVID year pushing guys back an extra year, a lot of guys are older by a year because of the COVID year, and with the Browns in win-now mode, I feel like the Browns should loosen up this age guardrail stuff if a guy plays on a rookie contract and he's 28 when he's done or he's 29 when he's done with his four years, who cares if you got four good years out of him? I, I, I just I, – I don't see – you're wiping out a lot of good players, in my opinion, with the age guard rail. Yeah, it's, it's something uh, I've tried to discuss myself a little bit. I thought when I brought that – you know, the Browns angle here to Dane Brugler – uh, who writes at the athletic and does a great job. He made a pretty good point. One that I haven't really heard people talk about is that 
you know, the obvious reason you do this is because you can get, you know, younger players have more mental development, uh, body development, all of it. Right. And the Browns are over what, since 2018 rounds one through three are the team that has drafted the average lowest age uh, in the NFL. So it's, yes. it's a decent, decent little margin, like 21 and a half on average. Right. So, um, they they lead it and they're in leading the charge of this and and I had said something to Dane about that because we were talking about prospects and he mentioned like Tennessee's Byron Young and some others where it's like oh well do, do they fit around the age guardrail and he's like you know I think that's an interesting topic because it, you know physically you 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 know you don't know when people are fully matured right like not just mentally but the physical part too of like some guys can yeah. be completely done growing at 22 some guys can't don't stop growing until 23 24 25 like that's just that's, that's something you have to obviously dig out you know fully vet to understand uh, about somebody's development and that's hard to always you know predict but um just because a guy's younger doesn't mean he hasn't hit a spurt of growth or whatever as a person um and again as a football player maybe they have a lot of snaps right maybe a guy's a little older but they haven't played as many snaps as somebody who's coming into the draft 21 or 22 so it's mm -hmm. not always like black and white so i do hope that this year uh, especially this year and in, in looking into next year that they're a little bit more fluid on these things because just eliminating some players there where they're pretty dang good but the is 23 can't really deal with that is silly to me right you know it's silly to me so i yeah. hope that they don't live by this especially when they're you know, short on picks and um, later in the draft, uh, obviously, are in, a, in, a, in a, a little bit different of a window, in my opinion, right now than they have been the last three years where they're sort of self, you know, they're, they're telling on themselves that, that, that they believe they're in a win now mode. They believe they're done building. Right. And if you're yeah. done building and you can find people that can impact things right away, you do it. Now, again, if all things are equal, you're looking at two uh, prospect A and prospect B. Right. And they're pretty damn equal. They do a lot of things. Well, they do. They got the similar production scores. They got similar athleticism. They fit a similar role. You always take the younger player. Like yep. it's just this common sense, common mm -hmm. sense. But I don't think that they should be eliminating people. It, it pick you're getting your, your pick 74 earliest here, like absolute earliest last year. They traded out a 42 right now. They ended up picking what, like 66 or 68 wasn't where they got Martin Emerson. So it's not yeah. all too different, but you had a little bit more promise going into that draft because they had a pick in uh, the top 40, whatever. Um, so that, that was a, that was a different scenario here, but now we know as a minimum, um, that they don't alter anything. They're picking 74th. That's early. And, and again, like eliminating people, you're, you're getting the potentially the 74th best player by, by theory here in the draft and just saying, well, we're going to eliminate these 15 guys because they're 23 or 24. That's not smart business to me. You, you no. should be in the business of getting as many good players in this thing as you possibly can. Now I know you draft for the future. There's all, I, I it doesn't miss me, right? Like, you know, you draft to replace future needs and you, you also try to just get good players, man. And like yes. <laughs> at the end of the, the day with drafts, all cliches uh, included here, you, you need guys who can help you win. Right. And and if I'm saying, well, you know, this is a player we really love. We really like, but he's not gonna, you know, we gotta, we gotta have to wait on him. Or, you know, or it's not, we, let me say it this way. We wanted to uh, really address the future of safety. Right. And we wanted to look two years down the line at, replacing grant delpit or next year replacing grant delpit so we're going to eliminate this defensive end we really really like because not like that's not that's not the way i don't think they operate that way and i don't think you should think they operate that way it's it's again as they've tried to point out to us they've done this many times um and they did this most recently with the draft with jok when they traded up for him which we're going to talk about from my side in just a minute um that they're not they don't live but they have guidelines i think they try to follow here 
but they don't live by them. They're not prisoner to them. Uh, and they will do, they will break those things uh, when it's best suited for them to break it. And like this draft to me um, in the next one, as they're limited uh, in certain regards here are like, Hey man, they go, go get good players and, and, and stop worrying. I don't want them drafting a 25 year old here, but like, again, like go, like <laughs> I would encourage them to stop. Like, don't worry if he's 21 or like if a guy's 23, I mean, you're, you're doing it within reason. Like, I don't want them to go draft. Like it's funny. Jordan Aikens came into the draft. Like he had played, I talked about this. He had played uh baseball for four years before he went to central Florida. So yeah. he came into the draft like 26, mm-hmm. Um, you know? So, I mean, that, that would be a bit of a shock, but I still like eliminating players who are late 22 and play their rookie and turn 23 in their rookie year. I I think that's silly. So So, I'm proud of Browns fans for understanding it, right? Like the guy who responded to you on Twitter today, shout out, man. (laughs) Good. We've all learned. We we know what they do now. Congrats. But I I think that living rigidly by the age structure on things is like, to me is, it can be deadly. It can, it can really do, do some bad to your draft outcomes, in my opinion. So, you know, the league is trending younger. It seems like across the league, people are doing a better job. GMs are doing a better job of drafting younger players when they can. But there are exceptions, and I hope the Browns can continue to find exceptions to that. Uh, You mentioned Byron Young of Tennessee. Uh, He was in the article I wrote. Um, Interesting. He's an interesting one, right? Like, because he is 25, and he ran a four four three forty and a thirty eight inch vertical. Um, and when you compare him to some of the guys around him at edge, I feel like he's the best one in that group. And uh, so that kind of raises a conflict there because he's twenty five. So it's weird. Twenty five is old. I mean, but but again, like. To me, you have to, you have to, yeah, like you're hoping if you take a guy who's not as athletic as him and is 22, you're hoping that he can get to the spot that that guy is at 25. So like, I get it. I'm with it. I I mean, I can be, the thing is they have certainly shown the willingness as the draft goes on to draft older, right? They've shown that willingness to do that. I have uh, with you with your premium picks in the first three rounds, uh, especially picks 74, 75, I, I, 74 and 98. I expect them to, to trend a little young. But when you're taking the 100th overall player in the draft, which is essentially what they're going to be doing, like, yeah, if you're going to get mad as somebody who follows the Browns because they took someone who's 25, but is a good player at 25. They're just trying to get a guy at 25, man, like yeah. somebody who can if like at 98 a guy's you're just trying to get something out of him and, right. and getting four years of a, of a guy. If he's really good getting four years and then maybe a second contract that adds on a couple more years is not the end of the world. That's a good outcome for any pick. Like if you look at the average hit rate of picks at 98, come on, man, like yeah, just find a good player. So yeah, I mean, I certainly exactly. would love them to find young players that can be around for a decade and yada, yada, yada. But I also would just like at the basis of all of this is find guys who can, make your roster and make an impact. Like that's all we should want from the draft instead of trying to outsmart everything and, and out oh, we look at his next contract. How about you just worry about how damn good is he right now? And how good can he be right away in the next uh, year or two years and, and worry about the contract stuff when it's time to worry about it. Right. Or the duration at which a guy is around. So I, I I'm encouraged Brad that they're, they're bendable on some of this stuff. They've certainly in the fourth round and beyond been more, open to older players or lower RAS score players. I mean, again, the, the RAS score example is David Bell last year. 
who is who is not a very good athleticism score, but they were willing to take him in the third round. So uh, I hope there's some some more bending that they do there to go chase people they think are, you know, exceptional football players. You know what I'm saying? I do, uh, and uh, I probably couldn't I couldn't say that any better uh, than you just did about the uh, age guard rail. And, yeah, like it doesn't – I completely understand why they do it with the younger ones, but uh, in certain situations, and especially this year, it feels like maybe an opportune time if there is a player there that's better than a younger player, I don't think you should exclude yourself or restrict yourself from taking that guy, and that's all I'm saying. Uh, yeah, no, I, I'm with that too. And, and, and I think that this happened last year and I know it's going to happen again this year, um, that they are going to, uh, people get confused that the first two picks the Browns make are not first and second rounders. Like they are not picking until the third round. Correct. So that's the third round. People had these expectations last year that like Perry on Winfrey and David Bell were going to be these big contributors because in your mind, you sort of trick yourself right into thinking, uh, you know, the, these guys are our early picks. They're the studs that we brought. Nah, they were picked where they were picked for a reason. Mm-hmm. So temper those expectations for some of those guys. And I think the same thing can happen when you discuss age guard rails, because you can start to trick yourself into being like, well, you know, this is a, this is our first pick. It's a top, it's our top pick. It's gotta be young. Nah, when you're picking 74, 98, they gotta be good above all else. We need these guys to be good and form some kind of impact. Like I, I really could not, uh, and I, I'm pretty serious about this, could not care less about age because just getting a really good rookie contract out of some of these guys at 74, 98 would be an absolute home run, like home run. Totally so, totally. And they've been adept at finding free agents to supplement some of these things. So it's not like they can't do that, you know, if things yeah. get tighter. But yeah, anyway, um, ready for mine? I ready, am it's ready. pretty much on the same line. I am ready for yours. Yeah. Um, you know, I have I have a take that I think – you know, we just talked about age guard rail and, um, you know, there's that famous piece of paper that went around the Browns organization back when Sashi was here about how they structure thought process in the organization. And one of those is just sort of, you know, spending premium draft capital on premium positions. I I mean, as we sit here and look at the roster and, 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 uh, I know that Anthony Walker kind of got the vet minimum and then he got some, some, some lift up stuff from the injury that he suffered last year. Uh, that article Jack uh, Jack Duffin wrote is up at the OBR. You can read more about the contract. I think um, I'm trying to remember exactly what that's called that, that comes in that the contract. The veteran. So, Sione Taki uh, Taki got the – Yep, they both yeah, got it. Yeah, Taki Taki mm-hmm. got the same thing. Yeah, where you were injured and uh, it's like an escalation thing. I don't know. Jack's probably listening to us right now and laughing this morning. And, uh, and, and Yeah, uh, it, it allows you to pay, wall, in, pay the player less and, and, or count against your cap less and they get more somehow. Right. Bingo. Which works out for everybody. Right. Yeah. So um, the thing that's that like they're still in an interesting spot at linebacker. Right. Like Taki Taki's not going to be back till midseason. And even when he's back, he's coming back from an ACL. Um, you have Walk. He's coming back from a torn quad. You have JOK, who's you know, proven through two years. He's he's not he's not 16 games durable yet. He could have a great year and play 16, 17 games. Right. But we don't know that yet. I think they're going to draft a linebacker higher than you think. Like if I, I think if there's. To me, there are options out there that if they – I'm not saying they're going to trade up into the 50s again like they did, um, you know, with, with the JOK trade was like 58 to 52. Correct me if I'm wrong there, Brad, but I think it was 58 to uh, to 52 or something along those lines. So if mm. – um, my, my singular point here is two positions. Linebacker, um, if, if it gets to mid-60s, right, and if they are in love with 
Drew Sanders could slide. Trenton Simpson, like Jack Campbell's 53rd on Dane Brugler's big board. I love Jack Campbell. I think he's a really good football player. If they love him and he's sitting there at 61, 2, 3, 4, that area, I could see him doing the same thing they did with JOK, swapping out, swapping here and there later. You know, maybe taking 142 uh, for, uh, you know, take 142 and 74 for 65 and 201. Mm-hmm. making that deal and going and getting it. I, I really think they need a linebacker. Like, I, I think at this point, as I look at it, they, for the future, need it. And um, it, for, for this year, Brad, like, again, Trenton Simpson, Clemson, if he slides, uh, Jack Campbell's there. And then later on, like, I think they could take uh, Dorian Williams. Like, I think in their ter- in their top four picks, they're going to take two positions that you did not expect them to take. Uh, linebacker in some way, shape, or form. And then I, I think they're taking a running back. It's a really good class, and I and I I, am, I really believe by 140 or 142, they will have taken a running back um, because they want one. They have not been aggressive to go out and get a third running back. Now they could play. They could shut me up, and maybe the right guy at the right time doesn't come to fruition here. Again, these are things we think we know, not things we know we know. I, I just <laughs> feel like as we talk about two positions there, they. I mean, Jerome Ford has some preseason flashes. Didn't have many in-season flashes. Now, again, opportunity-based. He had a nice kick return um uh, performance this past year but we need to see more like you can't sit here and i go i know football is projection based it's all projection based that's that's what the, the whole thing's driven on or everybody would be great at doing this but it's not a lock that jerome ford is as good a running back you need and when you and when you don't have a third one currently in your wheelhouse and you typically keep four on a, on your roster i think that i i feel really confident they're going to draft one and they probably want a good one because again like nick's contract starts to get movable adjustable uh, in the next year, two years, I think he's got two years left here, but you never know. Yeah. So, I think they're going to prioritize linebacker, running back, Brad, and I feel I feel fairly confident in that. Um, who they prioritize, I don't know. We'll continue to try to give you examples of that as the time comes. But those are two positions that are again non-premium positions, right? Not edge, not corner, not quarterback, not wide receiver. That I feel fairly confident that they are going to be attacking with some of their. And again, this isn't the same. Their premium draft capital isn't the same as the Bears, but I feel I feel like they're going to use what's important to them on their draft capital on those two positions because I still think they're a little bit unresolved. And I think you can find a good player where they're going to be picking. It's a chance that again, there's a chance Campbell's there. It's not a positive thing, but there's a chance. And like he would be a super fun Mike linebacker man. Like yeah, <laughs> I just would be so excited about that. So yeah, that's that's my uh, that's my take as we yeah. move into this uh, this draft month. I think uh, when you talk about running back, I think it's time, right? Like, I think timing-wise, uh, and I think I made they made that clear when they didn't bring back Dearness Johnson or anything like that. Like, I think they kind of made that clear that it's pretty obvious that, that, that they need to draft another guy. Uh, we didn't, you know, we didn't get to see what Ford really is in his full capacity. Like, I don't know what he is as a pass catcher really at all, Jake, to be honest. Like, mm-hmm. um, so some like, promising moments of Cincinnati, but we didn't yeah. see enough here to know. Yeah. Right. So, um, I think that actually like the timing wise, I think it makes a lot of sense for them to draft a running back. This is a pretty deep class with uh, some good running backs in it. Um, that'll be around. So I, I I agree with you. I think they'll take a running back for sure at some point. And I'm you're you're I tend to believe that you're probably right about linebacker as we look at that room, um, and you look at the injury history and you look at uh, you know uh, Phillips 
history as your middle linebacker, and I think maybe they want to uh, invest in another guy uh, for your future there, and that may come uh, at this ideal spot here where you may get a, a Campbell there. Um, so, or like you said, uh, you know, you don't need eight draft picks. You're not, you don't need eight players for this roster. So use it for ammunition to get up and get the guy you want, whether that be a Campbell, uh, or I could see them moving one of these picks into 24 as well. So, uh, but yeah, I, I think that, uh, that makes a lot of sense to me, Jake. And, uh, I put a, I put a linebacker in, uh, my article. Do you ever, do you know anything about him? Ventrell Miller? from florida did you like him at all i have not gotten him yet uh plan to here in the next month but but there are some interesting you know henry teo teo uh from alabama like uh, dan henley from washington state there's some interesting late ones too right yes he's a big uh, i mentioned dorian williams yeah big big hitter big hitter like the uh pff had the uh, biggest hitter in the draft guy so and i think Mm -hmm. the uh, browns could use some of that nasty on their defense it's kind of. Uh, I'm always open to it. I'm always yeah. open to him. But yeah, I mean, I feel like again by 126 ish, I can maybe see them getting to 140 with it. Those those two positions are the some of the leaders in the clubhouse for me to be attacked based on draft boards and uh, da- the the depth of the draft as well. You think Campbell? What's the latest Campbell goes? So hard to think? tell. It, it really is. Re- I mean, like pro football focus drafts. Most of the time, he's going mid second round. Again, that's just like. There, they think he's a little better than what Dane ranks him. Um, mm-hmm. If you look at if you look at Zerline, I'll try to pull that up real quick. He is not overly high on him either. Um, he has him below Dane Henley, so he has him as the fourth linebacker. Um, you know, I it's I think his range is anywhere from top of the second round to bottom uh, top of second, middle of third. So the Browns would have to spice up a little bit and go get him if they got like if it got to 65 or a little before that, you could see them getting because it's I mean, he meets the age number. Uh, I think he's 22. So it's not perfect. Mm -mm. Not perfect. But he is a freaky athlete, man, like a freaky athlete. And I think he does a lot of innate things really well as a Mike. So um, it would be. It'd be a really fun player to see land in this defense that that Schwartz likes some guys at linebacker who can read, dissect, react, and go, and are just good ball players. So, yeah, man, I think that I that like would it. be about the range. I like it. Uh, good stuff here tonight. Uh, Jake, do you have any parting words here before we get out of here? No parting words. I would just suggest, this is deep thought, that everybody has a great Sunday, Brad. That's all I want everyone to do. That is a great Sunday. And, uh, deep. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy your time with your family on the weekends. Precious time. So deep, deep thoughts from Jake Burns. All right, uh, good stuff as always. Uh, Things we think we know about the Cleveland Browns. Uh, That's Jake Burns of the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm Brad Ward of All Eyes on Cleveland. It's been a uh, crossover joint collaboration under the OBR umbrella. Go check out everything at the OBR, uh, and uh, we will be back. Uh, Tell a friend. Hit subscribe. We appreciate your time. Have a lovely Sunday. And we are out. Go Browns. Go Browns.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.